Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian, joined by my co-host, Light, the Light-Fingered Thief. Hey, Logar. I can't see. It's really, really dark in this dungeon. I need to go find myself a lantern or something here. Should you try having infravision? <laughs> infravision? Well, you know, one of my characters wasn't was a half-elf, so she <laughs> did have infravision. Now, obviously, for me, I need to go find some special ops uh, <laughs> goggles or whatever it is to be able to see at night. I made a post just a little bit ago on Twitter that we're going to record about this. And I got a couple of cool comments about infravision. Dan DM. Oh, Dan wait, wait. DM. B- b- before we start. So we're talking Dragon Magazine. We're talking Dragon Magazine. Dragon yes. Mag issue number 211. November 94. Yep. And what's really cool is at the front, they got this Walden books ad that I really loved because if anybody remembers the early 90s there was a lot of buying game books at Walden Books for a lot of people in malls and things like that it was a I love Walden Books <laughs> there was a, a big story I'll have to tell sometime that I realized in the history of D&D that the, exactly how involved Walden Books was with getting those things out there they were pretty influential I'll, I'll write them we have an episode about Walden Books and the mall <laughs> buying, Walden buying, Books and the mall well you know buying, buying yeah. books when, when we were a kid so let me make a note of that <laughs> yeah that's a good one yeah so some when i mentioned we we're going to talk infravision dan dm said i liked it infravision i had infravision for undergrounds races and ultraviolets for elves detecting the gradual release of ultraviolet light infravision was messed up by torches etc now stefan i think it's pronounced stefan Flannel Lawyer said, I always explain it to new players as it's basically Predator Vision. It is Predator Vision. That's what I I was going to bring up. (laughs) So the article is called Sight in the Darkness, an open-eyed look at InfraVision, the Underdark, and your PCs. It starts off, it tells a history of InfraVision. So, and it tells what InfraVision actually is. And I looked up a little bit more. They go through a very scientific explanation of infravision before they get into the gaming aspect of infravision (laughs) yeah it's radiation and uh, some of the things that they mentioned they talked about william herschel so sir william herschel discovered infravision in the 1800s interesting person when i looked up sir william herschel apparently him and his sister were were not just scientists but also composers apparently their father was a famous musician Okay. I think she may have had more, more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? More influence and more to add to the world of science than I think she's given credit for looking into this. It was interesting, but they also, I don't know how, like at one point in time, I said that they discovered Uranus, this planet. I don't know if that's hundred percent certain. What I do know is that, um, so I looked it up. Infravision, it was discovered in the 1800 by Sir William Herschel, and his sisters apparently was involved with a lot of that work as well. And they also added modern mathematical approaches to astrology. But infravision being normally invisible, um, it's, it's, an, it's a, what is it? It's red, just, it's below, it's normally invisible. Well, it's invisible to to the human eye because it's below the wavelength of light that the human eye can detect with our human eyes. Yeah, so there are seven electromagnetic electromagnetic waves apparently, 
and it's just below red on the electromagnetic spectrum. The electromagnetic spectrum is the range of frequencies of electromagnetic radiation in the respective wavelengths and photon energies, according to, I think that was Wikipedia I pulled that from. So that's what we're looking at, and it's the heat. So if you feel around, you feel the seats warm or the desks warm and feel something that's super cold, that's going to impact what you would see through infravision. In World War II, it was used in sniper scopes, converting heat to light for sharpshooters. And they said at some point in time, I think it was in the article, in order to actually see infravision clearly, you would need eyes five to 10 times bigger than we have in reality. So I don't think our characters are running around with these giant 10 times the size eyes, but we suspend reality for a bit because it's a magical game and it's fantasy. Yeah, but wait, we could create a race or creature with giant googly big eyes that could have really excellent night vision, infravision as well, too. So maybe we should go do that and create a creature that has super ginormous googly eyeballs like Cookie Monster. I appreciate this idea. I think it's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Let me, let me go write it down because I think it'd be, it'd be pretty interesting and funny. <laughs> maybe we could use some random charts to flesh it out. Now, I don't think that this creature would see very as well as someone who sees on the spectrum we see, according Correct. to this. Correct. Because you're seeing the heat, that radiation of heat. So there's a difference of what you would see perhaps up here, like walking around in the woods versus what you'd see underground, mainly because you're having the sun come down and heat everything up. So at dusk, when the sun first goes down, you'd be able to see probably the heat slowly leaving the leaves and the trees. The rocks would probably hold on to a little bit more of it. So you'd be able to see a lot more detail. But with the heat escaping kind of would create some sort of, there would be heat around it as well. You'd probably be able to see the heat escaping as it cools down when the sun goes down. And the sun comes up, probably be hard to see because everything would just be blotted out by the heat. It would just be one giant red blur. Right, well, yeah, it, it, it's about contrast, right? So if you have the sun, like you said, hot source is going to hold back the contrast you might be able to see between the, the cooler and the hotter items because everything's hot. So if you're on the beach, it's going to be a big red blob. But if you're, I guess, a cold background, hot stuff will probably stand out a little bit better, right? Yeah, so you go into the dungeon, you're going to see an underground like lake or river or something like that that you run into. It's going to probably be just like a pitch black nothing. So you're going to have a hard time seeing things, but you'll see that contrast down there. Now, in the underground caves and taverns, you're probably going to see a lot less, but you will probably be able to peg out any sort of like warm blooded thing anywhere heat was left. I'm imagining like if somebody rested on a rock for a moment, you'd see the imprint of that and things like that. Now, I know that a lot of newer editions and other versions of the game nowadays just have like a night vision or a dark vision as opposed to dealing with infravision. So as a dungeon master approaching this kind of thing, when you're like, okay, how much are they going to see? How much are they going to not? It's kind of up to you. But infravision adds some interesting elements to the game, as they point out in here. So, you know, I have a question for you, Logar, then. So, for example, we know that snakes, I think, are cold-blooded, as are some lizards. So. A dragon. Is a dragon cold-blooded or hot-blooded? And would you be able to see it with infravision then if you're in a dungeon deep down? So here's the thing. If the dragon breathes fire, what does that do to its body temperature? And how's that fire being produced? Okay, that's, and- not, that's, <laughs> for, that's, that's for a red dragon. Let's say it was like a, a green dragon. 
that spits out acid. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna assume that they are cold blooded, and that you probably wouldn't be able to see them as well. Now, how cold is a cold blooded animal? I'm not a hundred percent sure. I didn't do my research on that. Hey. Any biologists out there, tell us about the body heat of lizards and how that would impact likely, how that would likely impact infravision. We'd love the answer. <laughs> we don't have it. I'm assuming it's contrast again, right? So if the body temperature of the lizard or snake is greater than the background, it's against. Yes. If it's against a cold rock, then you could probably see it. But if it's against a warm spring water, I would assume that you would see the warm spring water and not see the snake then because the spring water is warmer than a snake. Oh, yeah. So that would probably make a lot of sense. So uh, one thing that they went into here is getting clever with infravision, the things you can do. One of the things they talked about was how it's not as precise as normal vision. And that could lead to things like mistaken identity would be increased. Like what you're seeing, you're not 100% sure. The further away, the more blurry it would be as the heat's given off. Uh, and also they talked about like fires. So if you're in front of a fire and you got your fire going and somebody's in front of that fire, you might not be able to see somebody standing too close or around it because of the great energy and heat that the fire would be given off. So infravision, you can add all kinds of comp complications to the party. If you're using this, there's a lot to look into there that could add to interesting elements of the game, things that, you know, your vision isn't going to be as accurate. So problems could arise. Well, again, it goes back to the uh, contrast. And you think about Arnold Schwarzenegger fighting the Predator in the first movie. He was able to shoot himself. Well, maybe not scientifically, but, <laughs> you know, shooting himself by blending in with the environment. If it was standing in front of a big fire cold mud in the lake which i don't think is very scientific but <laughs> <laughs> well the other one they say here is that thieves with infravision can learn to hide themselves from other creatures with the same power very powerful blinding source of heat or the presence of many separate man-sized sources of heat things like that so might be something to consider if you're playing a thief and you're using in a game where infravision and infrared plays a larger role and as a dungeon master might want to consider like what kind of bonuses would a thief with infravision get if they know how to do that kind of stuff to the regular, you know, trying to hide or conceal themselves? What kind of, how would that work out in your game? There's a lot to add there that hasn't been added that I haven't seen rules or regulations for yet. <laughs> well, you know, if that's the case. I'm going to go outside and go roll around in the cold mud and smear myself with the uh, cold dirt to try to blend in with the environment. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then, it also kind of questions like, you know, dwarves and goblins both kind of have infravision, vice versa. They probably know the same type of things, know the same ways to conceal themselves, stuff like that. And then questions, things like, well, a gelatinous cube, how would, would you be able to, what kind of heat is um, it? We'd have to really get into we, yeah, we, <laughs> we got to get into like the, the biology and science of creatures, like the gelatinous cube, because the gelatinous the cube, It'd be the same temperature as a dungeon it was cleaning through, I would assume, right? I mean, is, like, what is it made of? Like, what is it actually like some sort of ectoplasm? Some sort of like, what kind of ooh or goo in reality can mucus? <laughs> well, let's say it's made out of jello. So, you know, I, I have some jello upstairs, but I don't think I have a heat gun in my house. I'll need to go see if I go find, find a heat gun and I'll go, I'll go measure the jello at room temperature and see see, see what it comes out of that <laughs> they say that there's always room for jello that is true i i do like jello 
I would assume here's my here's my my hypothesis. If a gelatinous cube has just consumed a living creature and like dissolved it into its body, it's going to have the heat from that body in there more than likely. Of course, there will be some residual heat depending on how long ago it happened. And that's probably a process that takes a while. So the heat would probably be there from that. Now, after a while, it probably would. I'm going to assume that it might be like a river or a body of water where it goes pitch black. I don't know. Uh, I think that's something that the dungeon master would have to figure out for themselves. There's much more room for discussion on that one there. I feel. Yeah. It's, I mean, the argument says to that as cubes will probably be assumed to radiate no heat and block heat transmission as well. Unless to your point, it ate something that was warm. Um, then, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So like, look at the talks about newly discarded items like clothing, armor, and weapons would reveal much to infravision. Like well, sure. how long ago they had been abandoned, depending on how cool they were and whether the item had been used, any warm blood on the blade, a newly set ground trap placed by a human who was unaware of his own heat effects would be avoided with laughable ease by a goblin or a gnome. So it gives you that advantage. If you're in the dark, they're able to see, oh, they just set this trap you have an idea of how long ago something had touched it you t- you touch the item and see how warm it gets you get an idea of how cool it gets how fast if you're used to seeing that way you have certain types of information that we don't have with our 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 eyes as humans the way we see the color spectrum so i know it has a lot of interesting ideas and in that you know they're talking about using a pebble that's been enchanted with the continual infrared light and you could try to do like a little Morse code thing inside your lantern with a shutter opening and closing it to signal to people. Or using like a pouch full of uh, cold dust to try to uh, detect people that are coming towards you because you could see their cold footprints, I guess, right? <laughs> One of the last things that they give there towards the end of it, they have a, a little chart here that talks about the target size category where you're looking at things and the spotters sighting range as well. And they kind of go into being able to see things that are bigger versus smaller and how far in distance because your information has certain limited. I, I'm sure that at 30 feet, let's say it is, you can still see hot things further, probably not clearly. In the distance, you see a warm volcano, but you probably wouldn't be able to see in the distance a warm human body and make it out very well as to what it was, I'm going to assume. Again, that's up to the D. <laughs> right. You know, this infravision could play out quite interestingly, depending on um, the strategy you want to do with dealing with uh, monsters, with ambushing or getting ambushed. Well, we're coming about up on time. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, please give us a positive review wherever you're listening Tell your friends about us. If they're into D&D, let them know. Share us on social media. Follow us on social media. We're on Facebook at Wobblies and Wizards. I'm on Twitter at Logar Hale Crom. We have a blog. It's wobbliesandwizards.com. We don't post there as much as we used to now that we've been moved over to the podcast. Most of what we would have posted there has kind of become podcast uh, material. (laughs) I've also started a Patreon recently. This takes money and time out of my pocket and uh, any help and compensation. If you like to have a daily RPG podcast, please support us there. It's at patreon.com backslash wobblies and wizards. And as always, keep those dice rolling. I need to go buy myself some like infrared dice now. 